Welcome to Full Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with Richard Green, the Global Technical Director of DDC. Richard, how are you? I'm good, Craig. Good to see you again. It's excellent to have you here. Uh, last time we met, we talked about a lot of things. A lot was happening uh, when we met. Folks that aren't familiar with DDC, perhaps we can give a little short overview of what you guys do. Sure. Um, so DDC or the DDC Group is a, is a is a global outsource business, but our flagship business is DDC FPO, um, and and that's it's fully formed on logistics, right? So that's uh, and we primarily work in the US with LTL. We do about a third of all of the LTL bills, so we process the bills in the back office for them. Um, but we work in truckload and we work with 3PLs and we do a whole mix of things uh, to support the logistics industry in the US. So business process outsourcing is a really big industry. There's a lot of providers, a lot of competition. You guys are a leader in particularly the LTL industry. What sets you apart from the competition? I guess it's it's how we approach things. So we've been working with LTL now for over 15 years to so say we do about a third of the industry. And the I think what sets us apart is is probably our size and scale. We're we're about seven thousand strong, uh, which to some people sounds like a lot of people, to other people doesn't sound like a lot at all. But what we like about it is it's kind of a nice niche that we're small enough that we listen to our clients' needs and requirements, and we can move at the speed that they need to do. So um, that's probably the bit that that stands as a, stands as apart. The other thing is. Once we learn an industry like LTL, we try to become a, an industry leader or a, or a subject matter expert in it. So therefore, we truly view our, 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 um, our clients as partners and we listen to their needs and their requirements. So the company's been around for many years. You guys have built this really substantial uh, business process outsourcing business that is global and, and has the ability to respond to a lot of customer changing to need, needs. And as we think about the labor shortage, the lack of uh, available people that are in the back office, I would imagine that actually is a really nice opportunity for companies to reevaluate how they handle their uh, back office functions. Absolutely. So, uh, so, so we've been going over 30 years now. We started in other industries and then we worked our way into, into logistics, let's say it's probably about 16, 17 years ago now. So yeah, absolutely. Same as you have um, driver shortages, which is obviously the, the main thing everyone talks about. Similar often issues on in the, in the back office. So we see that need um, with with our clients to give them more fulfilment. Again, coming off of the pandemic, people are now thinking about where their people are situated and what a regional lockdown could do. Because I think business continuity, as much as a lot of businesses had it in the past, it didn't really equate for things like World War Three properly. Um, or global pandemics. So I think people are now pivoting and thinking about, well, actually, I may be a national carrier, but actually, I'm a, such a sizable business, I can lean on on some global infrastructure. Yeah, it feels like so long ago when you and I met, I mean, it was just pre-COVID and pre-pandemic. Yeah. Now we're talking about World War Three. I mean, I, I miss the innocence of the world. I remember as a kid playing Oregon Trail, and it just seemed like you had these sort of like really crazy experiences in the old outback. And modern society hasn't known that, but now we was, sort was of... That back when they, the Miami Dolphins was winning the Super Bowl, that kind of... I, I do think, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, you, you, you stole my thought. So that, that's <laughs> crazy. But Richard, when I think about how much the world has changed, I mean, just the thought of World War III seemed irrelevant to have that conversation. A little nutty if you had actually mentioned that 
four months ago. And now we're faced with the reality and reminded that the world is a somewhat hostile place and things can happen at a very short notice. And we saw through COVID that, you know, these dire predictions that people made have been making over the last couple of decades did play out to a degree. And yet we're reminded that we're, the world's not done with us, that, you know, uh, it'll, that it is quite unstable. And so when you think about taking care of your business and having redundancy and dealing with these issues, it seems like having a partner that is global and has the ability to respond can provide that business continuity element. Uh, absolutely. And the, you know, this, I think the, I think the term you're looking for is probably it's just return on investment, right? So there's a lot of, a lot of companies have ticked boxes and, and we have companies that work with us of all sizes, right? We have some that have a couple of, you know, a couple of FTEs from us. And then we have our biggest client has probably over 2000 um, guys that work for us in all regions around the world because that's the size of the business that they are. So we cater for everyone's needs. But as you say, when it comes to doing business continuity and disaster recovery planning, um, it, it, a lot the appetite in senior management was very much around, well, you know, the more t- it will never happen, you need to tick a box, or what's the minimum amount you need to do to get through an audit, you know, for an ISO accreditation or, or, or something along those. Whereas I, now I think people are getting it and they really don't know what the future could hold. So they are reevaluing it. And we're seeing the same with technology as well. So, you know, uh, a lot of our clients that maybe were on the fence in the last few years, we felt through the pandemic have started saying, no, we're going to do this now. So what we're seeing, and I guess what I see more from the technology side is that, and I think what we're going to see in the next couple of years is carriers are going to be adopting or looking like they're springing up adopting new technology. Um, but the reality is, is they will be doing that already. You know, None of this stuff is going to be rolled out overnight. The stuff we do with our clients too, they're very cautious about they, what they do. They don't want to, they're not going to do anything on a whim, right? So it takes time and investment. But so I think there's a lot of carriers now working on, because of things like driver shortages, uh, because of back office shortages, because of global pandemics, they are re- re-evaluating their operations about what they do um, onshore and what they could do globally. They're also reevaluating the technology they're using to see what technology they can use to either attract younger drivers, retain drivers, um, what parts of the process they could automate in order to take some of the really labor intensive or or redundant jobs that you know make people frustrated and and want to leave their uh, their current positions. So, Richard, when I think about everything that's happening and really, if we sort of go back to the past two years, we've had this massive change in how companies operate their operations in the office and a lot of work from home, as well as, you know, their supply chains have been disrupted. What from the way you guys think of it, the interactions you're having with clients, what's the number one thing that has changed in the way clients are thinking about their business today than perhaps they were two years ago? Uh, I think that they they understand the value of their drivers because their 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 business relies on it. So it's what can they do to increase the quality of the the driver's work life balance? Uh, what can they do to make the job intuitive for the driver so it's not stressful? Uh, and what they can be doing to be driving? That's very much what what they're focused on. So um, we were on a journey anyway when when I joined EDC uh, three three and a half years ago. 
we were already looking at capture. You know, uh, we were reliant very much on a lot of our documentation was delivered back to the terminal before it was sent to us. So the first thing we kind of said is, and what we need to change to move forward is we've got to go real time uh, or near time as much as possible. And everyone that I was looking at on the market that were offering solutions were all talking about clients uh, or about creating portals where the carriers can get their customers to make the entries for them, right? And and instantly, when you look at how DDC has been successful over the last 15 years, we've been successful by not changing our clients' processes, by listening to our client and adapting to what they need. So that was really uh, the, 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 our, our latest offering is a, is, a, is a suite of tools for drivers called DDC Sync. And it's about driving uh, or syncing the driver to the, to the company so that he's got the support he needs while he's out on the road. But that really started with a data capture app because what we needed to do was to be able to digitize the freight bill in real time. So what we do is we have a, a process that's, um, that ensures that the driver takes an image of a full bill. It ensures that it's got, it's got an OCR engine built in locally to ensure good quality capture before it's sent off for, uh, for processing. And when that's sent off, we embed the driver's GPS coordinates. We, in dri- we embed the, the pro number, the driver's ID, the timestamp, etc. So that image is now a digitized freight bill the second the, the driver picks up those goods. So that is better to us. It's better than the original piece of paper. So, Richard, when you think about the fact that drivers are inundated with apps, I mean, I have probably 400 apps on my personal cell phone. Um, and most of them downloaded by my kids who downloaded a game. And like, I have like all these, like sort of the generations of my children as they sort of grown up, the, the games get more and more complicated. Um, you sort of miss the innocence. You sort of look the ABC app or something like that. Uh, when I think about all of the sort of things that drivers need to do, why would they want or need to download a new app? So it doesn't need to be a new app. So we, we do offer Sync as a standalone product, and you can bolt in um, some of the plugins, right? So we have the intuitive driver capture, which we just touched on. We've got a driver community that lets the drivers uh, create their own effectively WhatsApp groups that are all governed by the, by the, by the business. There's a lot of safeguarding in there to stop bullying, et cetera, and explicit you know, material, stuff like that. Um, you can do... Uh, corporate communications, and you can use it for um, for doing uh, like knowledge base, etc. So it, it's a, it's a load of options, but they are all plugins because we knew as soon as we started talking to our clients, we've got clients that have already got an app that works with a TMS system, right? And they don't want to come out; they don't want to be processing something in in that app, and they need to go to DDC Sync. So what we've done is we've built the plugins that they can easily be plugged into with a lot of the existing systems that are out there. But then if there is a client that wants it as a standalone product or want part of it as a standalone product, they can do it that way too. But it, you're 100% right. Drivers want one app and they want it to be intuitive. And, and that's really, if I was to hit a key word with everything we do and what is the lifeblood of all of the decisions we're making with our new technology stack, it's about making the experience intuitive for the driver. So, I mean, it's so much happening uh, in terms of uh, this sort of shift in the economy. Do you think that uh, we will see a reversion back to people being in the office every single day? Or do you think that there is a sort of a permanence to this uh, new uh, work from anywhere environment for most companies? 
you know, everyone's got different appetites and we'll see different views. I think what we're seeing from talking um, to our clients and certainly us as a, a business, we have a mix. Um, we have plenty of people that we would prefer to be in the office because um, it's just easier to support them in the job they need to do. But I, I definitely think there's been more of a shift to accepting that technology can make people more productive. I mean, I, certainly I, what we see with our uh, you know, with all of our management, they do probably work harder now and longer hours now. And so you, you're more having to govern that balance to ensure that they don't burn out because it's too easy to just keep working and not be interrupted. Um, you probably, everyone probably forgets how much they were distracted when they're in the office, you know, talking at the water cooler and stuff. So I think it's a mix, but I do think it's, I think it's a lot more acceptable now than it was two, three years ago. And I think a lot of people that, would never even contemplate it, would now see it as acceptable. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I just think about my own life. And I was always working sort of around the clock, sort of the curse of being a founder, an entrepreneur. You're like, I'm going to quit my job and work for myself because I don't like the hours I'm working or the work I'm doing. And you end up doing, working twice as long as you did before. But you love what you do. Oh, you have to love what you do. If you don't, <laughs> as a founder, you get burned out. And I do find in some ways that there's this sort of founder's curse as the business becomes more successful, uh, it actually becomes less interesting in some ways because, you know, as a founder, you're sort of thriving on solving problems. And when you have people that are smarter and better at solving those problems than you are, you sort of work yourself out of a sort of interesting tasks and challenges. Uh, it's a curse in some ways, but it's a reality of, of how we're built as founders and the reason we set out to do what we do. Richard, when I think about so much is happening right now. We've, we've touched on geopolitics. We've touched on uh, just the shaping of work-life balance. And we've talked about the app you guys have rolled out. What is, what is the next 12, 24 months look like in terms of your sort of perception on the way that the freight industry and the fleet operators are responding to the current situation on the ground? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, again, maybe it's warped because of the, the, the four walls that I sit in, but I do see more investment in technology. I see there's more evaluation of technology. I think there's more more likely to be adoption. I think there's, a, as, you, as you said about the work from home policy, I think it, that's probably been a catalyst to wake a few people up of saying how you can do these conference calls and potentially be more productive than you ever were going into an office and get a better work-life balance because you haven't got an hour's commute home, right? I, I think they'll see the value in that in their own. And then I think you're going to see that in the senior management's decisions. So when they do evaluate how drivers work, how people work in the office, the, the tasks that they're doing that they don't need to do, because probably there's a way that that's been automated, you know, the, the, you know like what we do with our, our freight bills on the other side is where possible, we try to automate as much data. And obviously, you get huge different sets of, of, of freight bills coming in. So we do a lot of work in the background trying to automate and do data extraction and then um, and then basically try to structure that data so it can be fed into the client's TMS system before anyone's even started keying, right? So it's stuff like that. There's lots of clients out there that, that we've spoken to over the years that understand what we do and they just kind of go, that's not really for us, right? And what we're seeing in the last 12, 18 months is they're now kind of going coming back around to us and saying, so what is it you could do for us again? And, and it's interesting enough, when they do come back around, 
they start with the technology conversation. They're interested first in what technology have you got and how is it different to all this other technology out there. And I think whenever I'm on those calls, what I try and say is, well, but we're not an IT company. We're a business process outsourcer. And what we try to do is solve our clients' challenges for them. So we're very much focused on the results. So again, if I touch on the, 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 the extraction that we're doing through the app, I've got to get 99, 90, you know, 98, 99% extraction every time. Because if I don't, it's costing, we tend to be the one processing those bills. And then we have people that have to correct that. So when we built that, we had to get it to such a standard that it didn't just take an image and there you go, there's your historical record and get a driver to keep some skeleton data. We wanted something that snapped an image, ensure it got the full bill, flattened, rotated it, OCR'd it locally when you haven't got any cell signal and only sends it to us when we know it's a good image, right? So the, the driver's not being responsible for keying and he's back on the road driving and we're taking away all that headache, but again, relying on technology to, um, to automate and time save and, and save money. Yeah, so it's interesting because I think, I think a lot of what we've learned in sort of the current sort of work and sort of economy is that if you can outsource the parts of your operation which you're, that customers don't see, that customers don't personally touch, and you can streamline your operation, it makes your business far more efficient because you're not having to worry about things that, that perhaps you're not the best at. And I think the reality is, it was a great quote, and it was somebody told Mark Zuckerberg when he first started his company that um, your company's going to suck in some level. Something, you know, inevitably when you build a company, your company's going to suck, but you as a founder get to decide where it is. And I thought that was a really interesting quote because businesses have problems. You know, we always look at these businesses, even the most successful, they're always problems. And as executives, we have a finite amount of attention and time and resources to sort of dedicate to those problems. Well, it strikes me that if you can find a way to offload the things that are not customer facing, because the part you don't want to suck at as a business is your customer facing experiences, because that's the one that matters the most. And I think in the world of trucking, because in many ways, the most important asset are your drivers. In many ways, they should be your, you should think of, of what you do from a customer standpoint as you do with your driver standpoint. If you can improve their lives and improve your operations, then that's a win-win. You guys don't suck at that because that's your business. You do it well and you have all these clients. Businesses should not be taking that burden on internally. They should be rethinking about it, particularly when management's so tight. Yeah, no, if, if we look at our traditional services and what we're known for, you know, what we're best at is we're best at recruiting. And we're good at good recruiting good talent because what we don't want is high attrition because that costs us money because we're the ones taking that risk, right? So we get, we've got very good at 30 years at identifying good people and people that you can help grow and develop. And you know, we work in a, 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 a tremendous amount of different sectors as well. We work in legal, we work in medical, um, we work in utilities and energy. So we, you know, we, we take those skills and we apply it to all of that to make sure we get the right people, that we keep them. What we often have, the people that do work um, like exclusively on initiatives, which is, tends to be how we do it, they tend to feel like they don't work for us they work for the client, right? When, I, when I've when i taken pre-pandemic, when I used to take clients around any of our facilities in Bosnia or in, or in the Philippines, uh, I had one client in particular 
that had about 200 staff and he was embarrassed because he went, this is our biggest centre of operations. I've been in the job three years and I've not come and met these people. He goes, these people work for me. This is my biggest operation. And the penny hadn't dropped because he outsourced it. And then when he went and saw it and he realised these people are doing the same job every day like all of the employees do in his business, um, they believed they worked for him. You know, I, we were irrelevant. They're employees of that, of, that, of that business. And obviously the other value that we see, certainly bigger, bigger clients see it maybe quicker than others. Um, or, or maybe more global clients see it quicker than others. But the um, the value is, which we had in Europe for Brexit, right? We had a client where we ended up having to scale up and scale down three times while all those decisions were being made about around uh, around Brexit and the um, and, and decorations and how much work that would be. So that was on us. We had the agreements in place. We scaled up and we bent to the client's needs. So again, the other value you get with outsourcing is flexibility. Right, you're in control. You're not. You're not. You're not losing control. It's the. It's the polar opposite. You're. You're effectively the 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 client, and you tell us what you want. Yeah, it's it's so interesting because I think as you think about these businesses that are quite successful, you know, oft, oftentimes companies are using software that's hosted in the cloud, and we're very comfortable with having someone else manage all that infrastructure. But also, you think about the human capital element of it. This, in an environment where employment is very tight. It's hard to recruit and you have a finite amount of management resources and just time to sort of deal with these problems. Having that, someone to take that workload off of you and use technology that improves it with the new app that you guys have talked about, streams, it seems like it's it's a really sort of a win-win for, for companies. It seems like a really smart decision. You know, I think about, the, you know, the most fierce animal in the animal kingdom is the dolphin because the shark most gets all the credit for being fierce, but actually the dolphin is the the one that's actually the more fierce animal because and sharks won't be in the same water as the dolphins because it's not so much about brute force, it's about intelligence, it's speed, and it's agility. And in a modern market where things are happening so dynamically, it's that speed that really matters. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree. And they say is you need to be agile. Say so who knows what's going to change tomorrow. So you need to be in control. You need to be able to make decisions, and you need those decisions to be cost effective. So yeah, that's that's pretty much what we do. Well, Richard, really appreciate your time. You're excited about uh, what you guys are doing with the new Sync app. You can find out more information. What's the best way uh, to reach out to you guys and connect? Uh, go to www.fpo.com forward slash DDC hyphen sync for, for the app, or just go to DDC FPO for, for all of our services. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, Richard. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Craig. Take care.